Oh, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Am I on? Can you hear me? Can you all hear me in the back? We good? Oh, is that is, is it a thumbs up like it needs to go up or a thumbs up like that's good? It needs to go up. Are, are we going up now? Up more? Is there, are we good now? Give me one in the back. Give me one of these if you can hear. All right. I think we're good. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> Um, a couple things before we get into Genesis chapter 2 today, a couple things that I want to share with you that I'm excited about. So Liv, a second ago, she mentioned uh, life groups, and we have a lot of folks in our church. We have about 160 people in our church who are in life groups. I think that's really cool. Um, praise God for that. I think God's given us a lot of really awesome life group leaders. We have life groups that meet everywhere from, uh, from Holly Springs to Apex to Cary to Apex to West Cary to Morrisville. So if you're not in a life group, you know, what we do on Sunday mornings when we come together here, really what Sunday morning is, it's a time for us to rally together as a big church family. It's a time for us to, to worship together, to get to encourage each other, and also to be, to be fed from, from God's word. And we get to fellowship, we get to interact some, but really the place where we get to build deep relationships. I don't know if y'all, have y'all, this is, I know it's a very common phrase, um, y'all have heard the phrase like, you know, doing life together, right? Is that a phrase that y'all use or have heard where it's like, you know, it's not just somebody that you see, like you, you might see your your coworkers, you might see your boss, you might see um, different people at work or at soccer practice or whatever, but you're not necessarily doing life with them, right? D doing life, when we talk about that, what we're talking about is when it, relationships start to feel like family. When relationships start to feel like family a little bit. And where we, and God has told us, if you look at the New Testament, a, a very interesting thing, and we'll talk about this more in a few weeks when we get into our series on what it means to be a disciple-making disciple. But one thing God has, has told us, if you look at the New Testament, the most common metaphor, okay, the most common metaphor that God uses for the church you can probably think of a lot of different metaphors, but the most common one is a family, where you see over and over again the way Jesus refers to his disciples, the way Paul refers to the churches. What does he call them? He says, brothers and sisters. You know, we're members of the family of God. So that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a family. And if you really want to experience that church family life where we're not just we don't just see each other. We don't just talk with each other, but we're really doing life together. Really encourage you to get in, in a life group. Um, so take a look with me, with me. If you have your phone, if you have the Church Center app, can you take that out real quick? Here, I take your phone and, well, don't hold it up. Just look at it. I'll hold mine up. <laughs> um, you're looking at the Church Center app. Uh, this is where we have all our lyrics. And you'll notice at the bottom there, there is, there's a few different things you can click on, or you can tap, and if you choose the one that says groups, everybody choose that? So groups, and then do y'all see the link that says life groups? So if you, if, you, if you then tap on life groups, if you're following along, and then what you'll see, you'll see all of the groups in our church 
that are that are open, that are accepting new members. We've got a couple of groups that are kind of bursting at the seams, um, that are thinking about multiplying or planting a new group or stuff like that. Uh, but we've got a number of groups that are open and are eager for for new members. And so what you can do if you, it, it tells you the group leaders, it tells you the times they meet, it tells you the location. So let's say that I click on the Morrisville, Kit Creek area Kiefer group. That name doesn't really roll off the tongue very well. The Morrisville, Kit Creek area Kiefer group. <laughs> um, but so, so if, I, if I click on that, then uh, it takes me to a to a, a place where I can I can see the location and, and there's a there's a little thing I can choose that it says ask to join, and so th that's one way you can express interest in, in a life group. There's lots of others, um, you know. There's and, and again, all these groups are really awesome. The leaders do a great job. So I encourage you if uh, that's something that you're interested in, you can come talk to me. You can uh, you can. You can uh, express interest in it through the app, whatever you want to do. But I really encourage you to, yeah, to, to be involved, not just in church worship services, but be involved in, in church family this, this fall, because it's really, it's really important. That's the first thing. Second thing that I'm really excited about is that um, we, this past week, as a church staff team, we met with, uh, with some architects and, and engineers to talk about the building plans, okay? Um, and so what we're doing, and it was a really productive meeting, we were able to, to kind of share with them what our vision for our church is, what we're wanting it to kind of look like in, in general, um, share with them about some of the cost concerns and things like that. And so what we're doing now, we're working towards um, where they're helping us develop uh, kind of some sketches of what it could, not, not this is exactly what it's going to look like, you know, my chair is going to go here type of images, <laughs> as, as, even though I know many of us would like that. Um, but, but just helping us say, hey, this is, this is a sketch of what it might look like. And so we're moving towards that. We're not sure timelines, but where we can come to you and say, hey, here's an idea of what our church might, might look like. So please continue to be praying for, for that. Please continue to be praying for our church as we're just trying to navigate, you know, going into to White Oak Elementary School, um, the building plans, being outside, uh, the kind of the mid-COVID slash post-COVID era, whatever, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, let, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into Genesis chapter 2. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that I get to be here this morning with my brothers and sisters. Thank you that um, growing up as an only child— not having brothers and sisters uh, in my home. You've given me hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters, um, millions of brothers and sisters all, all around the world, and especially, especially right here. And so, Father, we just ask for your spirit. You know, we know that you tell us that your spirit is the one that gives us unity. God, we just ask that you would give us unity. We ask that you would move us forward together as a family of people, as a family of disciples making disciples. God, I pray this morning as we open up your word, Father, there's so many voices that 
are trying to tell us who we are or are trying to tell us who we should be. And God, I just ask that this morning through your word, you would work powerfully, that you would renew our minds, that you would help us to see who you say that we are so that we can live the way you want us to live. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So who, who remembers what we talked about last week? So this is the second, the second week of our series called Biblical Identity. Okay, and we're just asking the question, we're asking the question, you know, who does God say that we are? Because identity, and we said identity is, is really important because it affects, it's, it's kind of how I see myself. My self-identity is how I see myself. And, and then the way I see myself, you know, it, it affects my mental health, it affects my relationships, it affects the way I act, it affects the way I think. So the way we view ourselves, who we believe that we are, is really important, isn't it? And so what we're doing in this series, we're just looking at the first few chapters of Genesis, and we're just asking the question, who does God say that we are? Because as people who are disciples of Jesus that want to submit everything in our lives, including our minds, including our bodies, including our identity to Jesus, we're asking the question, who does he say that we are? Because we want to view ourselves the way he views us so we can start to live the way he wants us to live, right? So who remembers what we said last week is the first thing when God describes human beings, what's the first thing that God says about us? Anybody remember? That we're... That we're very good. That's right. And why are we very good? He says the, you know, the the mountains are good, the fish are good, the you know, the sun is good, but human beings are are very good. Why are we very good? What's different about us? Because we're the crown of his creation, we're made in his image, right? And and so really the, this idea that the first layer, the foundation of our identity is that we are human beings who are made in the image of God. That, that's got to be the foundation. And I think it's a little bit, like, to wrap our minds around this, it's a little bit like we, we, have, to, we have to wrestle with this. Okay, that the God, it, it's a little bit like, um, it's a little bit, that I think God views his, I think God views his children, God views his image bearers, a little like I view my daughter Rose. Anybody, have y'all seen my daughter Rose kind of crawling around here before? That makes it sound bad, but she's, you know, she's, she's, she's toddling and walking and crawl. Anyway, um, but so, so Rose, my daughter Rose, I have three daughters, um, Valerie, Ruby, and Rose, six, three, and, and one. Rose is one. And a couple things about Rose. So she is one and a half. And from a financial standpoint, she contributes absolutely nothing to our family. She is just a financial drain. Like she, I mean, diapers and, you know, like we have to feed, she never makes her own food. She, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't bring any income in. And it costs a lot of money to raise a to raise a, a child, right? So she's she's and she doesn't even help with any chores. Like she, I mean, she doesn't. We can't ask her quite like it's from a certain perspective. It's like, well, she she's not. What is she contributing? She's not really doing anything except 
you know, being cute and eating and pooping and sleeping and, you know, all this type of stuff and making a smile. <laughs> um, but it is impossible, and I mean impossible, for any human being to love another human being more than I love my daughter Rose. It's impossible for any human being to love another human being more than I love my daughter Rose. Why is that? Why is that? It's not because she makes me money. It's not because she's, you know, is a awesome ballet dancer or because she's, you know, she speaks five different languages or something like that. It's because it's because she's made in my image. Right? It's because it, it's because she's it's because she's my daughter. And so understanding our identity starts with wrapping our minds around the fact that that's the way God feels about us. And Rose might grow up and, you know, she might solve the climate crisis and she might, um, you know, she might find a cure for cancer and she might, you know, do a million different awesome things, but I will never love her. It would be impossible for me to, I will not love her more then than I do right now because my love is not based on what she does. It's based on who she is. And again, wrapping our minds around our identity starts with wrapping our minds around that's the way God feels about you and that's the way God feels about me. Okay, that's the first layer. Well, let's look at the second layer. And again, we're just, we're walking through Genesis and we're seeing how does God view us? What does God say about us? Let's look at Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter one. I'm just gonna read Genesis chapter one, uh, 27. Let's see. Genesis 1, 27. And talk a little bit about this, then we're going to kind of dive into to more of Genesis chapter 2. Okay, so, so Genesis chapter 1, we talked about how God says in uh, verse 27, the first thing God says about, about human beings, he says, God created man in his own image. Okay, that's what we just talked about. That God loves us because we're his image bearers. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. What does it say next? It says male and female he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Okay? So the first thing that God says about us as human beings is that we are made in his image. The second thing he says about us is that we are male and female. So from God's perspective, okay, God makes human beings and he makes two kinds of human beings. He makes males and he makes females. All right, so what does this tell us? There's, um, I try to keep my notes from blowing away here. Um, so obviously the, the idea of, of, of gender, uh, of sex, you know, these are kind of today, these are kind of controversial things, aren't they? These are things that stir up a lot of debate, that stir up a lot of very strong emotions. 
And, and there's, there's voices in, in our culture that would say, well, isn't it just, isn't, you know, isn't maleness and femaleness just a social construct? Isn't it just a social, wouldn't it be better if we just could kind of throw those things out? And what we see, we're going to see in a second that, that there's definitely, there is a, please don't get me wrong, there is a strong social aspect to, to maleness and femaleness, isn't there? There is a strong degree to which we develop our understanding of what it means to be a man or a woman through our relationships with other people, through our relationships with our parents, our interactions with society, and some of that's good and some of that's not actually that good, okay? And we'll talk about that more in a second. But what we see in Genesis 1.27 is that these are, male and female are not our categories that we just made up or invented. These are not our categories, these are, these are God's categories. Okay, so as we're wrestling with these things, it might be tempting sometimes to say, well, this is just so messy, let's just throw it out. These categories don't really matter. You know, maybe there's, who's to say there's not, there's not, you know, 10 genders or, or, or 100 genders or, or, or whatever. Um, but what this is telling us is that, that these, are, these are not man-made categories. And just like, just like marriage was, is invented by God, that that maleness and femaleness is also something that has been invented by God. So instead of just when things get messy, when things get confusing, which they do, don't they? And we'll talk about that more in a second too. Rather than just saying, oh, we're just going to throw all this out. It's too messy. We don't want to deal with it. We need to instead lean into them and ask the questions, what does it look like for me to be the man that God created me to be? Not the man that other people necessarily say I should be, or the woman that God created me to be. Okay, what does it look like for me to be the man that God made me to be, or the woman that God made me to be? Because if we really want to understand who God, how God views us, we, we need to wrestle with the fact that he's made us male and he's made us, us female. Okay, so I, I mentioned a second ago, that, that there can be, this can be controversial, right? This can be sensitive. It can be sensitive for, not only for, um, not only because of discussions in the, in kind of LGBTQ circles, but also just because it can be a sensitive issue. It can bring up a lot of shame uh, for, for lots of people to talk about, talk about gender, to talk about being a man or talking about being a woman and what that means. So wh why do we think that is? Have you ever thought about that before? Why is it that this is such a, this is such a kind of a, that there's so many feelings that are attached to discussing maleness and femaleness? Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's at least two reasons. Okay, the, the first reason is that there, I don't know if you experienced this or not, but, but I know for, for me, when, when we, when we, um, when we talk about what it means to be a man or when we talk about what it means to be a woman, it just feels like there's a lot at stake, doesn't it? It just feels like there's a lot at stake. There's something about, you know, if you say, you know, 
Ryan, you're not a very good, you're not very good at your job. Okay, that, you know, that stings, that hurts, doesn't it? If you say, if you say you're ugly, <laughs> that, you know, that hurts. If you say you're not very smart, again, that, those things all, all hurt. But if you say you're not a real man, or if you say you're not a real woman, there's a lot of things you can say, but nothing cuts quite as deep as saying you're not a real woman or you're not a real man or you're not acting like, you know, be a man, be a woman, stuff like that, right? There's something about talking about who we are as males and females that just gets to our core. And I think that this speaks to the fact that God has hardwired us as males and females to desire an identity as either male or female, okay? But I think the, the second reason that these conversations can be, can be difficult is that there's, there's just so many stereotypes around, there's so many stereotypes around what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. There's a lot of stereotypes. There's, and this is kind of getting into that social, that social component that I was talking about a second ago. Um, and there's a lot of different ways, I would guess for all of us, and this is true for me certainly, but I would guess for all of us that when we think about all the things that society tells us a man should be and all the things that society tells us a woman should be, that there's probably aspects of those stereotypes that we fit and some aspects of those stereotypes that we don't fit too. I'll just, I'll use myself as an example. You know, I've been, um, you know, I'm thinking about myself as a, as a man. So I'm, I'm tall. I've always been, I've always loved sports. I've always been pretty athletic. You know, um, I've, uh, so, so there's some things that, that seem, that, that would maybe fit with those, with those masculine stereotypes, right? I'm a, uh, I have kind of a, a leader personality. I, I like to kind of say, hey, let's go this way or kind of help lead a conversation or something like that. Um, but I'm also really terrible with directions. <laughs> you know, um, I'm also not very good at fixing things. Um, I'm also very emotional. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, that, that, that men are the, are the strong silent type. Well, I, I'm not the I'm not the strong silent type, right? Like I, when I'm feeling something, I want to be able to talk about it. I want to be able to express how I'm feeling and to be understood in how I'm feeling. And if I'm not, then that makes me that makes me feel bad, and it's it makes me feel anxious or it makes me feel 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 sad, right? So, and I would guess for you too, you know, you could probably think of lots of different ways, whether either as a man or as a woman, where you could say, hey, I fit some of these stereotypes. You know, I'm, I, I like to do this or I like this activity, but, but I also, you know, I, I don't fit some of these other stereotypes because I don't like this. I don't like football or I don't like to wear dresses or, you know, I, I don't, um, whatever the case may be. So there's going to be ways that we fit the stereotypes and ways that we don't fit the stereotypes because like Liv was saying during the, the, the worship, we're different from each other. Right, we're, we're, we're diverse 
that God's made each of us to be unique. Okay, so what is this, what can we learn about being, about our maleness and our femaleness from Genesis chapter 2? Yeah, that can help us, help inform what it looks like for us to find our, to, to help, help us ground our identities as who we are, not just as image bearers of God, but as men and women who are made in the image of God. Well, we talked about, um, we talked about how, you know, God creates the garden and he says that, you know, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then with, when the humans come along, well, this is very good. And then look with me in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Remember, you know, everything so far has been good. And right before this in Genesis chapter 2 is when God, he talks about the garden and how beautiful it is and the rivers and all of the, the great stuff in there. And then in verse 15, he says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good Okay, everything's been good so far. What's not good? It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper who is fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to the beasts of, of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper who was fit for him. So the Lord caused, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into, and the, read that again. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed." Okay, so what do we learn about what do we learn about maleness and femaleness from from this passage? <clears throat> well, so the first thing that we learn is that there's something in the garden that's not good. Okay, what is it? The thing that's not good in the garden in, in verse 18 is that the man's by himself. So everything's been good so far, but then it's not good for the man to be alone. I think in the uh, in church center. It, uh, it, it's the way it's set up is it says, um, it, it says it, what's not good in the garden, and then it lists three things about the woman. <laughs> That's not the way that was supposed to look. <laughs> it's supposed to all be just individual, individual kind of points there, but that's not what that's saying. What it's saying is not good in the garden 
is that the man's by himself, okay? And so what does God say? He says, it's not good for the man to be alone, so I will make a, a what? A helper who is fit for him. I'll make a helper who is fit for him. So two things that the text says about the woman says that she is <laughs> I don't think I know that song. <laughs> oh, here here comes some more. <laughs> so, okay, so so two things that the text says about the woman. It says that she is a helper who is fit for the man. She's a helper who is fit for the man. So what does this mean? Well, when we hear the word helper, I think that we can we can get the wrong impression. It sounds if we're not careful, if we misunderstand this, it sounds a little bit like, okay, you know, Adam's got, he's, he, he's got a lot of work to do, um, but he needs somebody to do his laundry, right? And, you know, the dogs don't have opposable thumbs, so we're going to need a woman. And so just to make sure Adam had, and that's, that's not what this is saying, okay? That's not what this is saying. If you look at, um, for time's sake, we won't turn there, but in Psalm 121, Psalm 121, this famous passage where the psalmist is saying, you know, oh, I'm in distress. Oh, my enemies are bearing down on me. And then he says, you know, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And then what does he say? He says, my help comes from, from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Okay, in Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. Okay, so this isn't help like I need somebody to get me coffee and, you know, clean my underwear type of help. This is help like I'm about to be killed by my enemies, I need somebody to save my life type of help, okay? And this is, this is a word that God uses about himself. Okay, so this is not saying that the man is more valuable, that the man is more important in any way, shape, or form. What this is saying is God has given a mission to humanity, which is to multiply and fill the earth and then to, to glorify him and reflect his image by ruling over God's creation. He's given us this mission and the man will not be able to fulfill it by himself. He can't do it. He'll fail by himself. And so he it's not good for him to be alone because you, we can't, as human beings, be who God wants us to be if it's just the man. It has to be humanity, male and, and female. So that's what it means when it says a helper, that somebody who is, is absolutely essential alongside of the man to help fulfill the mission of humanity on the earth. Well, it says a helper who is fit, a helper who is fit for him. This word fit in the, in the Hebrew... I, Again, I don't think it's always the most helpful to kind of talk a lot about the, the original words, but, but this is a really interesting word. I think it'll be helpful. It's literally two words that are put together. It's, two, it's this word fit. It's, it's two Hebrew words that are put together. It's the, word for, it's the word for similar, and it's the word for different. Isn't that interesting? It's these two words that are put together. It's that, that she, is, she is similar to him and she's different from him. Okay, and those two words put together is what, is what God is saying when he says, I want to make a helper who is, who is fit for him. 
Okay, so it, it's a little bit, and I know this is kind of a silly analogy, but it, it's kind of it's kind of like you think about a puzzle and puzzle pieces. And I don't mean you know just just physically, but it's kind of like how if you have if you have two puzzle pieces, what makes them fit together, right? Well, they can't be they can't be completely different. You can't have you know a, a puzzle piece from a, a you know a puzzle that's a picture of like you know, Harry Potter, Hogwarts or something, and then put it together with something that's like Anne of Green Gables or whatever, you know, it has to be from the same, has to be from the same box, right? You have to have, and this is interesting, you have to have the same image imprinted on you. That's interesting. Um, you have to have the same image imprinted on you in order to be a good fit, but you also have to be, you also have to be different, in order to, for two puzzle pieces to fit together. And that's what God is saying about the man and about the woman, is that they're similar. You know, Adam goes around, and God you know, goes around and names the animals, and he's like, okay, I'm looking for a helper. You know, not the pig, <laughs> not the cow, you know, you know, not this. this. And the, the woman is the one who is similar to him in that she is his equal. She is an image bearer of God, just like, just like he is. But she's also different from him. She's also different from him. And it's their, it's their similarity and their difference together that makes them a good fit for each other and allows them to carry out God's mission. One of the ways that the man and the woman are different is biologically. If you look ahead to, if you skip ahead to chapter 3 in verse 20, chapter 3 verse 20, it says that, uh, this is when, after the fall, and then it says that the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living, okay? And the Hebrew word for Eve, it, it literally means, it means to be alive. It means to, to be alive. And so he calls her Eve because she is the mother, he calls her alive because she, she is the mother of all of the living. Okay, so obviously it, it takes, you know, we can't produce offspring without a man and a woman, but only, only a woman is biologically able to to carry a human being in her body for nine months and to nurture them and then to birth them into the world. Okay, so that's not the only difference, but that's that's one of the differences is, is that biological difference. Okay, so getting back to what we said at the beginning, that these conversations are kind of hard, aren't they? And I don't know kind of for you what this might sort of bring up um, you know, maybe maybe for you, as I was talking about stereotypes, maybe for you, you immediately think of ways that you feel um, that you feel like not a real man, or ways that you feel like not a real woman. Maybe your mind comes to areas of shame or things that people have have said about you. And so the question is, when we don't feel, and again, talking about our feelings, when we don't feel like a real man or we don't feel like a real woman, what should we do? What's the solution? And in culture today, one of the solutions that's presented is, well, you know, there, there's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, after all, 
these categories, male and female, are just things that human beings made up. And so, you know, if you think, if, if you don't feel like you're a, a real, quote unquote, real man, well, maybe it's because you're a woman. And maybe you would be happier if you, if you lived as a woman or if you dressed as a woman or, you know, you can have, if, if you, and we can make some changes, you know, you can ingest, you can, you can inject certain hormones and you can block certain hormones, you can remove certain, certain body parts and you can add on certain body parts and maybe the solution, if you don't feel like a real man or a real woman, is that you're actually, you're actually a woman or you're actually a man and that would make you happier, Okay. But what have we learned today about that? We've learned today that these are not our categories. Okay, these aren't just categories that human beings have made up. These are God's categories. And while it's very messy and it can be very tough, that we can't just throw these categories out and we can't just kind of, we can't just manipulate them however we want. Okay, because these are God's categories, not just our categories. So, so what should we do? What, what, what is the solution? Well, like I said, it's messy. But I believe the solution is that when, we don't, when you don't feel like a real man or like a real woman, the solution is not to try to say, hey, well, maybe I'll just be a woman or maybe I'll just be a man. But instead to ask the question, God, what type of man did you make me to be? What type of woman did you make me to be? Maybe it's not the same woman that my parents want me to be. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't look like most of the other women around me. Maybe I don't enjoy lots of the same activities that many of the other women around me enjoy, but that's okay. Because ultimately, I want to be the type of woman or the type of man that God has designed me to be, not the person that Instagram or my parents or, you know, my teachers or society tells me that, that I should be, okay? Because again, what we're trying to do is say, God, who do you see me as? Let me see myself that way so I can start to live that way, all right? I know this probably brings up a lot of questions, um, and if you have those questions, again, there's, there's a lot. We could, we've gone in a, a little bit deep today, but we could go a lot deeper. You know, there, there's other questions that haven't really been addressed this morning. Um, one of the things is we hope that, that life groups will be a place where you can kind of flesh some of this out with other people in our church. If you have other questions, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, to talk with you. Um, you can talk with your life group leader, talk with somebody else at church. Um, but let's just continue to be praying as we go through this series that God's going to renew our minds and he's going to show us how he sees us so we can live in the way that he wants us to live. Okay, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for thank you so much for giving us life. Thank you so much for giving us each other. And thank you for giving us your word. And so God, I pray for my brothers and my sisters here today. Um, I, I, pray for, I pray for those of us that might feel like not a real man or not a real woman. 
I pray for those of us that even, that even experience gender confusion. God, I pray that you would, would you help us to be completely secure in the love that you have for us? And God, if we have heard things from people around us that have tried to fit us into a box that you don't want to fit us into, God, I pray that you would free us from those things. And God, I pray you would show each of us here today what type of man you have designed us to be or what type of woman you have designed us to be. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.